What if everything came with a free Star Wars audiobook from Audible? Like at the cantina. I'll take a half-calf spotchka. Lightweight. Here's your free audiobook download for Master and Apprentice from Audible. Or getting your pod racer serviced. My pod racer needs upgrades to the coupling and stabilizer. And here's your free audiobook download for Resistance Reborn from Audible. Life in the galaxy doesn't work that way, but there is one place you can go where you can get a free Star Wars audiobook from Audible. And that's utini.com slash audible. Click the Audible logo and start your 30-day free trial, which includes a free audiobook download. So visit utini.com slash audible and get your free Star Wars audiobook download today. Hey, this is Mark Thompson. I'm the voice of Yoda and many of the Star Wars audiobooks, and you are listening to Utini. Welcome to the Living Force Podcast. Hi, I'm holding for General Hux. A Utini production. Leia has an urgent message for him. Episode 69, interview with Alex Segura. About his mother. On this episode, the Utini team talks with the author of the new Star Wars novel, Poe Dameron Freefall, Alex Segura. We should jump in her next swing and blow something up. And now, here are your hosts. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first. Dr. Corey Helton and Eric Eilerson. Utini! All right, everyone. Welcome to a very special edition of The Living Force today. I am one of your hosts, Eric Eilerson. Joining me tonight is one... One of the doctors, we have Dr. Corey Helton. Hello, sir. Hello, hello. So happy to have you again, man. Uh, we have once we have once more decided to fire Dr. Charles Hankel from this podcast. We have replaced him, however, though, with renowned author of Deep Breath, Pete Fernandez, Miami Mystery Novels, a bunch of comics including The Black Ghost, The Archies, Archie Meets the B-52s, Archie Meets Kiss, Archie Meets the Ramones, the co-president of Archie Comics and writer of Poe Dameron Freefall. Alex Segura, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. This will be cool. Oh, absolutely, we are, man. we are absolutely. It's a pleasure. We are so happy to have you, a a first time Star Wars novel writer. Um, we are today is actually the day this book has come out. Ideally, if we upload this in time. So, if you haven't picked up Poe Dameron Freefall, everyone, we will not spoil anything on this podcast. But pause this immediately and pick it up right now. Uh, but now that that is done, Alex. Basic question to start off for you. How did you first come to Star Wars as a whole? Well, I mean, as a fan, it was always kind of around. It was such a part of pop culture. Uh, I'm an 80s kid, so my earliest memories of Star Wars were Empire, Empire Strikes Back. Just that vestige of uh, Darth Vader and that battle with Luke. Um, I just remember those were my first like kind of snippets of the movie. And then I had very clear memories of Return of the Jedi and the Ewoks as a kid. I thought that the Ewoks were like the cutest and the coolest thing. Um, so the marketing worked, <laughs> and I was really into the, in, into that movie. Um, and and then you know it's it's neat. I was thinking about this before how each trilogy represented a different part of my life. I remember being in college and going to see Phantom Menace on opening night with my friends and just being so excited to have more Star Wars because there had been such a such a quiet period mm-hmm. for the, the, the brand. Um, and then with this new trilogy, it's, it's been exciting because I can kind of see it happening with my own son, who's four, kind of getting into Star Wars and the universe and the toys in the same way I did Aww. with uh, with the original three. So it's, it's neat. It's just kind of a, it does make me feel older, but it is very cyclical in a cool way. Yeah. On that note, I got to ask, 
did you have a favorite toy growing up? And does your son have a favorite toy now? Like that a character that he just can't let go of. I was super into the, you know, the Sky, Luke Skywalker. That was Classic. my character. I just thought he was the coolest. Yeah, it was pretty. And now my son has a Ray figure, and he's very into that. He got a. My mom sent him a set, so he has a few stormtroopers, but he also has Ray and Rose Tico, and he's really into them. So he uses plays with them a Good lot. Kid. Yeah, nice. Yeah, he gets it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's fantastic we we say all the time like that star wars is so unique and that it's so multi-generational that's that's like that's that's why that's why we preach this whole positivity thing so much is because like it's so much bigger than you know any plot holes that are here and there it's just such a family experience now it's like you can't go to see the movies without literally half the theater being all kids and now it's dads with kids and grandparents yeah. with their kids that like they saw empire in, in theaters so like yeah, it's 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 crazy. Yeah, I mean it's our modern mythology. It's mm-hmm. like you know what we all kind of have different points in our in our lives that we remember and we tie it into what we were experiencing with Star Wars. You know, it's, sure. it's, it's interesting. Well, going to see Phantom Menace in college is one of my one of my clearest memories of that time. Like we just were all so psyched about more Star Wars. So it's yeah, those are like your little anchor points in life, and they're they're tied to this great saga, which is cool. Yeah, did you guys uh, yeah. do the camp out for Phantom Menace where people like pitch tents for a week? No, no, we didn't do that, but we managed to get in, which was impressive. Nice. I was proud of us. Uh, I don't know if it's just a. Pe- I'm from Miami, so I don't know if people just don't go to the movies as much in Miami, but it, we we got in. Yeah, I'm from, I'm from nice. the Midwest. We're like go outside only if I can go to another building as opposed to Miami where you can just yeah, go exactly. outside. <laughs> yeah, you can go outside if you want to like turn into a puddle of sweat. Exactly. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, uh Alex, tell us how you first kind of came to the expanded universe. Like comics, books, like what was your first foray into this thing? It was books actually. Um I remember I obviously seen the movies as a kid and then as an older kid, I think 11 or 12, I kind of came back to it and I read a three pack or a three books in one novelizations of of that trip of the trilogy so you got the original one um which george lucas wrote and then you have i think the alan dean foster stuff mm-hmm. in there so it was very immersive and even then i could really tell that's kind of what got me into expanded media you know just reading novels and stuff based on entertainment that i was into and because you, you could tell that these were ways to build on what you saw on the screen and i just love that there were scenes and added characters and added twists and um you know, that led me to the Tim Zahn stuff. And, you know, Dark Horse published so many great Star Wars comics. Yeah. And uh, I was really into Knights of the Old Republic when that was coming out. Yeah, and uh, Shadows of the Empire. Um, I feel like I'm blanking on a lot of important stuff. But so those are the big beats for me. And then it was really cool now as a writer to reconnect with a lot of the newer stuff. Not reconnect, but connect with a lot of the newer stuff. And they've got such a diverse slate of writers, so... But I'm sure we'll get into that in a second. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh yeah, and that, and that's what's that is what's been so cool about us at UT watching the writers the last couple of years too. Like you're saying, you know, we had we had the awesome Tim Zahn stuff, and we had the awesome Dark Horse stuff, and there's a lot of books that were written by a lot of folks that look similar to each other for a lot of decades in the last couple of years. It has been really cool to see people. I mean, like, we got Rebecca Roanhorse writing the biggest novel of last year. We got every Claudia Gray novel being heralded as the second coming. Like, it, is, it has been yeah. so cool watching that explode <laughs> in such an awesome, natural way. Like, And this morning, uh, which I'll tell you when we're recording this, 
or this afternoon when your uh, San Diego Comic-Con panel went up just to see oh, all cool. the different writers up there, like, uh, who are all from different backgrounds and everyone has different projects in the works. It was kind of fun to see that visual representation of what Star Wars writing is now. And it was so cool. Yeah, it was such a fun panel. I mean, and we were, you know, before we started recording, we were kind of talking about Zoom and how weird it can be. But this was really light. And um, it was so exciting to see such a diverse slate of people and so many different voices. But we all had that one commonality and that we love Star Wars and we had these unique takes. And, and the Star Wars universe is so wide and so expansive and so varied that all our unique takes fit under that umbrella, mm-hmm. which is cool to me. Um, I mean, the Poe book is... It's a, I call it a crime novel in space, mm-hmm. but it's also a very Star Wars story. I mean, there's there's a lot of, you know, obviously it is a Star Wars story, but it has, hits a lot of the big beats that most successful Star Wars stories do. Yeah, so. definitely. I, I also got to ask, is it weird seeing, like, the phrase, Tim Zahn wants to join the Zoom call? Like, I feel like that's got to be kind of <laughs> trippy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wasn't moderating it, but... I, he he when he was there i was like okay cool this is happening this is happening this is happening <laughs> like tim zahn is on this call uh i mean his stuff his stuff is so it's just classic yeah yeah tim zahn is so utterly professional about this he's been doing oh, yeah. it so long like every time i hear him talk he's like yeah you know star wars is like my thing you know so yeah. it's just it's I don't yeah know. and for me it was i think it was my second or third star wars panel and uh i've definitely become a quick study it's not, i've done stuff like this before but that first panel, I was I was a little nervous, but you know everyone was like, "You were fine, you were fine." But you know he he just handled it like an old pro. He yeah. just came in, said his bit, made a few jokes, and seen. Yep, <laughs> so it was impressive. Right. Back to throwing yeah. world. Well, uh, I, yeah, exactly. See you later. Yeah, uh, I want I want to go out of Star Wars just for a second here. I promise we'll we'll be back. Uh, but I want to talk about your career a yeah. little bit. Um, to kind of you know introduce you to this greater galaxy as a whole. To talk about how you got into writing. Did you? kind of catch a writing bug from the typical like high school English teacher or did you discover writing later on? Like, how did you decide that this is what I'm going to do? That's a good question. I think, you know, I was always interested in stories, whether it was comics or novels. And and I was a pretty voracious reader as a kid. And even as uh, when I was first getting into comics, I was already jotting down ideas. Like what happened if this, what would happen if this happened to Spider-Man or what, you know, you know, what about, this kind of Star Wars idea. And um, I would write them down, but I, I didn't have a sense of what it meant to complete the story. So, I, But I always knew I wanted to have something to do with storytelling, whether it was, you know, at first I thought, oh, I'll, I'll be an artist, I'll draw comics. And um, that tapered off in high school and I just, I kept up the writing. And um, I think it first really came into focus as an adult, you know, out of college, uh, getting my first job, doing publicity at DC Comics. Um, I was working in comics full time. And so when you're kind of your hobbies become your jobs, you start to get other hobbies. So I started reading a lot of mystery novels. And Sorry, that was kind of a lot. Oh, you're fine. <laughs> Motorcycle. <laughs> okay. So I started reading a lot of mystery novels. And um, I don't know if it was the innocence of youth or of hubris of the time, but I, I was like, let me try it. I could do it. I could do this. Sure. And, um, and it, it became this, yeah, it, it became this writing experiment. And then it ended up being a five novel series, which, uh, which I'm really proud of. And, and that opened the door to writing some comics and writing podcasts and things like that. And, uh, and then it, it, I think 
you know, they noticed the, the peat books and that led them to ask me to write Poe. So that was really cool. Wow. I, I love that idea that a, an attempted experiment, it's like, this might be fun. Five novels, multiple years later. Okay. Good experiment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here we are. But That's I, I think part happens. of it was, you know, in college, I tried to write, you know, the literary short stories or these kind of like great Gatsby-esque novels. And I have a few in the drawer, but, um, it wasn't until I really got into genre fiction as a, as a writer, you know, I've always liked sci-fi and crime fiction and comics, but until I realized, okay, maybe I don't have to write the next great American novel. I can write a really great crime novel and that may be just as good for me, you know, creatively. And it was, yeah. Like a good mystery can be just as good as that damn green light across the lake that we all had to read 8,000 times. We get it. It's the American (laughs) dream. (laughs) That's for all my Gatsby lovers out there, folks. (laughs) (laughs) so tell me how did you how did you go from the comics thing to the archie thing because i'm very interested in this this co you're co-president of of archie right how does that yeah. tell us more about that uh i grew up an archie fan like archie was my first comic book as a kid and i think i was like five or six and my mom grabbed the digest from the grocery store um and so i always felt like Archie was a big deal. And uh, I think at a certain point, most people graduate from Archie to read superhero stuff or other things. And I always kept the, kept tabs on what Archie was doing. So when I became a professional, you know, I was doing some comic book journalism for places like Wizard and Newsarama. Um, I reached out to Archie and I was like, do you guys need any PR help? Or I thought they did at the time. And um, <laughs> that became like a freelance gig. And then um, I had to leave that and go work in New York for DC. And, but eventually I found my way back to Archie and to Riverdale. And at first I was the publicity person, but you know, uh, I guess I did that well enough that they gave me more stuff to do. So eventually it became enough to like merit the title of co-president. Wow. <laughs> that's awesome. The, cur- the curse of competence. That's right. That's it. You do your job well. You keep getting yeah, titles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. And, but it involves a lot of stuff, you know, like, editorial, you know, managing talent, new business and uh, and publicity and marketing, but also some writing too, which is cool. Yeah. Now, you mentioned being around, uh, obviously working for DC, working for Archie, now you're in Star Wars. Like You've been surrounded by some of the longest lasting IP, at least in American history. I mean, frankly, for the last century. Um, yeah. And But you know, you've also written your original novels. What do you find are like some of the cool creative differences between working in IP, working originally, and what advantages does each one have for you specifically? Uh, that's a great question. I think about that a lot, actually, because, um, you know, one, one, you know, writing novels based on IP or writing stories based on IP, like comics based on Archie or other characters, you have your sandbox, but those sandboxes are usually pretty big and you can do unique things and you can be creative. Um, I mean, nobody ever wrote Archie Kiss or Archie Meets Ramones before. Like, it's still it's still Archie. Like, it's still the kids and the teenagers and stuff like that. And uh, so I felt like when I was coming into Star Wars, you know, they're very eager to have the writers be creative and, like, try new things, introduce new concepts and new ideas. And, you know, it's very collaborative. Obviously, when you're playing with IP, you, can only, you can't – they're just things you can't do. You're in somebody else's backyard. So you can pretty much play with all the toys there, but – you can't break them and you need to leave them in better shape mm-hmm. than you got them basically. And uh, I think that's a truism because you know, somebody else is going to pick them up at some point and hopefully you're leaving them in a better state. Mm-hmm. Um, with the Pete novels, I can do whatever I want if I, you know, and, 
and I joke that there's a point in every novel where I want him to just die. Like, I just want his car to blow up. Or just, you know, I'm just so frustrated with him as a character that I'm like, well, maybe I'll just write about the supporting character or his partner for a while. Um, but at the end of the day, the buck stops with me. Like, no one can really say, oh, Pete wouldn't do that. I, I mean, I, I can, I'm the decider of that. Whereas with somebody else's IP, somebody can say, well, Archie can't, wouldn't do that. Or, you know, you can't make Jughead a vegan. You can't, you can't tweak, like... <laughs> the core tenets of these characters right. but um that being said there's still so much room to play in and there's so so much fun to think there's so much such an honor to think you're adding to the mythos you know that you know decades from now someone will say well what's poe's origin story and they'll say well you need to read this book you know it may it may not be a physical copy it may be like a an e-copy or whatever but in the future but um it's just cool to think that, that i'm a little piece of that legacy oh Definitely. But that's that's what makes that's what makes the expanded universe so fun, though. I mean, like, yeah. we were talking about all that old stuff, like all the old legend stuff, and we all had had a bit of a foray into that. And like that's what made it so much fun is that all these characters on the screen have two seconds in a cantina, have some kind of cool story in the in the background yeah. somewhere, and somebody wrote that what? story. And yes, it used to be like old school sci fi guys like Zahn and John Jackson yeah. Miller, right? But you know, it's it's cool to see this thing turn full circle and like. It's it's crazy. Every time I've heard Zahn talk about a panel, he's just so humble about like how big this thing got and like how now we're all there's so many writers that just get to play in the sandbox. It's just yeah. it's it's awesome. It's so awesome. Yeah, I know it's fantastic. And to think that you know the movies are the big beats, the movies and the stuff on screen. Those are the big moments, but that doesn't mean they didn't have big moments between these these epic yeah. things. So yeah. it's very interesting to me to fill those gaps, but then also to to add to the narrative. And so that was kind of my mission statement well, for myself. Yeah, sure. Now, when you, you know, speaking so, of these, the, the, the books you've, you've created to kind of expand these narratives, the comics you've created, the fact that you, you know, have been able to stretch Archie as fast, as far as meeting these very famous bands and all these things. Um, each of the mediums seem to have their strengths and things you can do, like working with an artist versus working with yourself and things like that. What do you seem to like best about writing prose versus writing comics? Um, you know, I think the thing with prose is that you are kind of absolute, like it's all on you. And uh, there's a lot to be said for having final say and also being in control. Like I can control how something is described. I control the pacing of the plot. You're basically the screenwriter, the director, the producer, and the special effects guy all rolled into one. Yeah. Um, whereas with comics, it's much more collaborative. I mean, really... If I'm being honest, if I'm writing a comic, I'm just the screenwriter, which is not just in a demeaning way. It's just the artist. If, if the artist gets to do what they're good at, they're going to direct the visual side. They're going to decide on the camera angles. They're going to decide on the tone and the vibe and the color palette. And uh, and then the anchor and the letter and these and the colors all add their bit, too. So it's this big, comp, you know, collaborative moment. Whereas with prose, it's just all you, which is cool, too. I mean, I, I can appreciate that from, a, you know, a, control freak level (laughs) you know comics can be comics can be really fun too i love that usually if everyone's bringing their a game and everyone is into it the the finished product is greater than the sum of its parts Mm -hmm. which is kind of magical it's almost like being in a band you know you create you jam together and you create this new thing yeah but then sometimes you got to have a solo record (laughs) yeah sometimes you just need to record you know produce a record in your basement (laughs) yeah awesome (laughs) That's that's interesting that you kind of point that out, that sort of team aspect, I guess, of, of comics writing. It sounds like, from what we've talked with other authors in Star Wars about it, it sounds like Star Wars books are in some ways kind of similar to that because it seems to be a very collaborative 
project to some degree. And there's a lot of people with a lot of opinions that are kind of contributing to the final product. So that's interesting to hear about. Yeah. And I like that, you know, I'm easy to, I, I find, I like to think I'm easy to collaborate with and I'm pretty open to suggestion and feedback and uh, hopefully that worked out well from their perspective, but uh story group is always involved. And we had, a, you know, when, when this was happening, we had a conversation about what I thought and, and they seemed receptive to it and they made a few comments and then I wrote an outline and that, and then we we're off to the races, but throughout the process, I was getting feedback and, and having conversations with them, which I thought was really helpful. I mean, who better to know what, what's going on in this universe than, than the story group. Right. You know? All right, Mark, yeah, we got 18 sure. minutes in, and then we mentioned story group. I, I love the entity of story group. We're fascinated by it because it's like <laughs> such a mysterious okay. thing. I love that. <clears throat> That's funny. That's funny. Well, I mean, we're kind of diving into Star Wars. Let's start talking about Freefall a little bit. Okay. Man. Like, how did, uh, how did this pro- project first come about? Like, what was it like to, to get that email? email? Like, you know, hey, it's time for you to write Star Wars. Like, <laughs> How did that happen? It was funny, yeah. Uh, Mike Seglane, who I know from comics, he worked at DC. At, we worked at DC at the same time, and he, I know he had followed the Pete books and kind of kept up with them. So he reached out and he said, hey, would you ever want to write, you know, do something with Star Wars? And I didn't understand what do something meant right away. <laughs> I thought he meant, like, it just took me a second. I was like, sure, what, what did you have in mind? And then he, he drilled down, and I, that's when my head kind of exploded. And I was like, oh, this is a real thing. Like, this is a this is intense. And then uh, as we kept talking, I realized it was what it became, which is Poe's origin story. And, uh, and that was a great moment, just knowing that I'd have that opportunity because to me, Poe is my, my favorite character from the new trilogy. I just find him to be so complicated and entertaining and energizing and just such a fun heroic character about um, getting to tell the story, this key moment in his life. Um, yeah, it's impossible. It's, I have such gratitude and I'm so humbled to get the opportunity. So, yeah, and and on that note, like Poe Dameron Freefall is a story that we we didn't really know existed in so many ways before December of last year because it has to do with with Zori and with a lot of elements that come from a movie that really in the even though twenty twenty has lasted for about eighteen years, um, Rise of Skywalker <laughs> did kind of just come out. So on that note, yeah. what, what was it like writing a book about a plot line that was so recently revealed? Because most of the time, you know, our books are based on things from maybe some of the older movies. You give it a couple years to breathe. This is kind of right off the heels of a major release. Yeah, it was interesting to be working on the project as, you know, the ramp up for the film was happening. And, um, you know, it was it was an interesting challenge. And I thought it was really neat to be part of that journey and kind of see that develop, but then also have to create something that complemented it. But at the same time, I really wanted it to honor what was established for Poe before. So I'm a fan, obviously, so I knew all the material already, but going back and doing a deeper dive with an eye towards Poe, like reading all the Charles Soule comics again and reading all the Greg Rucka stuff where he deals with Poe's parents in in the comics, but then also he has some prose stories that focus on Poe's relationship with his mom. And then just also seeing looking at the new, new trilogy with an eye towards Poe and what he was doing and how he interacts with other people um, and then also trying to figure out what do I want to do here? Like, what's, what do I want to add to the mythos? And what do I want to say about things like, you know, parenthood or, you know, growing up and like learning who you are, finding your destiny, which is really what the book is about. It's about um, we meet a character that is very clearly going to be the Poe we know, but he isn't there yet. 
but he has all the primal elements of Poe, except he's 16. Mm -hmm. And if we've all been 16 and we've all made dumb decisions at 16 and we've learned from them. And so it's about that and that journey and this relationship, this friendship he had with this woman that is so key to rise, rise of Skywalker. We see, we see Zori for, I want to say maybe 10, 15 minutes total. Mm -hmm. Um, but she's one of the coolest characters in the film, yes. not just visually, but just her, de her demeanor. Yeah. And I'll tell you a funny story. I went to go see the movie by myself. I'm the parent of two young children. Um, so my wife took them for the afternoon and said, go watch the movie. Wow. It's research. Yeah. <laughs> so I got to sit in the theater. And so obviously I'm already excited because I've got two and a half hours just to myself in a dark theater. But um, I love the film. And I, the, I left with such a positive attitude because it really sets up freefall in such a cool way because you, if you're into Poe and you're into Zori after seeing the film, the first thing you're going to want to know is what was their dynamic and how, what was Poe's experience here that is, is hinted at in this movie. And those are all answered in the book, but they're not answered the way I think people are expecting them to be answered. And I think it ties stuff together. It ties the stuff we knew about Poe before with the stuff that's revealed in Rise of Skywalker and weaves it into this narrative and I hopefully got to add a few other things that people weren't expecting. There are a few twists in there that I'm pretty proud of. Um, and a few characters that aren't mentioned yet, new characters that you meet in the book, but that, that are integral to the story. So that was fun to do. Yeah, it is funny because yes. I do remember some of our shows right after the movie, we kind of pontificated on what, what could the EU stories be going forward for Rise of Skywalker. And the Poe Zori story was, was immediate in our heads as well. We're like, there's no way oh, they yeah, don't tell so that. Cool. So when this announcement came up, be, we're like, oh, great. Be <laughs> yeah. Good. good. Right, here, here it is. There's the one. This, that's where it was going to be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and there's always, like, always going to be speculation, but I think the story, I hope it threads the needle and, and hits people the way they wanted yeah. it to, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everything that happened on Kajimi in The Rise of Skywalker is like by far my favorite part of the film. So like I really can't wait to dive into this and really get into the details behind their relationship. And it screams yeah, yeah. expanded universe like the, the yeah. whole like you were a spice runner like it screams expanded universe like it's so perfect. It's so perfect. Yeah, no, it's such it's such a great setup for some other story like it, right, it's right. adding to the tapestry. Yeah, And we don't we don't have a ton of that in, 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 in canon stuff either. So like it's really cool to see how it how it all kind of comes together. Um, now, so you've kind of alluded to this already, but tell us a little more about the timeline of the project, right? So how, how in the know, like with the rise of Skywalker, were you before all of this came about? Um, I mean, I, I, how in the know was I, I mean, I knew the movie was coming. I knew the basic, whatever had been revealed publicly when I took the gig. And then after our initial conversations, you know, I think they were understandably, the, the information wasn't super they didn't give me a ton of information. They're a bit out of the gate, but They gave me broad. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Tend to be it's, there, and yes. look, it's understandable. Yeah. And they gave me some broad strokes. And so I went with that and some stuff got refined as it got closer, but those broad strokes were really enough for me to, to paint the big picture sure. of the novel. Yeah, sure. Yeah. That, that, that perfectly explains your excitement when like you see it all fall together when you watch it on screen for the first time. Yeah. Cause I kind of knew what was going to happen. I knew, obviously knew who Zori was and I knew that they had some kind of relationship or dynamic. I mean, I knew, I knew the I knew the story beats, but I didn't see it executed. And so when I saw it on screen, I was like, "Okay, this is great." Not just from a like 
career perspective, like, oh, cool, this sets me right. up as an author. But it's like, this is so cool that I get to write the story that yeah. people are going to wonder about and then be like, oh, this book exists. I should read this book. Yeah. Yes. Like, but yes, it was absolutely it was, was absolutely one of the first things that people talked about because like there was that that small crowd that was like, what? This is not this is a this is a plot hole because like Poe, he already has a backstory, and all this stuff. And I'm like, no, no, yeah. no. That's not how the expanded universe works. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we took, I took all that into account. You know, obviously, you as a writer dealing with IP, you see what's established and you honor the continuity. But sure. it's more about consistency—the consistency of character and making sure that he is Poe throughout. Absolutely. And um, I think definitely, not to, not I can't separate myself from my own work, but I think I'm true to him from the beginning. From the beginning of the book, you can tell it's Poe. Yeah, and uh, and and you definitely insert some story bliss into the the book. Uh, I get one. I get one. Okay. But, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. No, uh, no, good. no. I have been lucky enough. To... It honestly took me a second. I was like, "Is he really going there?" Oh, <laughs> I saw my opening and I had to take it. But it was like the end of Solo. Yeah. I took it and then I made it almost all the way and then it just got stuck and I crashed. I think that's what just happened. Uh, yeah, you didn't stick the landing. <laughs> no, no. I have been lucky enough to to read the book already, and it's it's a fantastic book. It's also really um kinetic is a word I've, I've used to describe it to people much like uh, I, I actually speaking of Han liken it to Ray Carson's most wanted a lot in that way like oh, they're cool. both really they're both origin stories that are super well paced like books that you that you're like I'm gonna start reading and then wait I'm on page 80 like it's kind of one of those things um oh good uh, I'm happy to oh hear yeah that. man now do you think that Poe as a character like kind of inherently lends himself to really fast stories just because of the way he lives his life? Or is that kind of more speaking to your writing style? Do you like to write th- those kind of qu- quickly paced stories? Um, I think you can, div- I think it all starts with the character. You, you kind of analyze the character and think about who this person is and what kind of situations they're going to get into. And I think to your point, Poe by nature gets pulled into these situations where he has to think fast and he has to take charge and he has to make tough decisions. And they're not always like fully informed decisions. He's just, sometimes he plays off instinct. Sometimes he just goes with his gut. Other times he's very tactical. And, and then I thought, you know, well, what would he be like at 16? Mm-hmm. And where's his head at, at 16? You know, his mom's just passed away recently, a couple years ago. His dad is obviously becoming more protective of him. You know, he doesn't want to lose his son. So he's becoming a little overly protective. But Poe has his mom's passion for space, mm-hmm. explore, you know, for being a pilot. Um, and so he's pushing against that. And so my thought is, well, what happens if, you know, this mysterious group shows up on Yavin 4 and, and what's he going to do? And I, I think he would just leave. He would roll the dice and leave and maybe not fully think that through because, again, he's 16 and he's Poe. And so it was really – and then where does that take you? And, and what, what stories can we see based off that? And um, so it's a long-winded way of saying, I don't think it's just how I write. I think it's just mostly who the, what the character asks for. And I think Poe, by nature, is involved in these active, intense situations. And so the challenge was, how can I have character beats and character moments when, like you said, it's a pretty fast-paced book. But I tried to weave in the moments with Zori and the moments with Poe reflecting on his own life and his, his family um, you need the breathers. Yeah. You need moments to breathe and think and kind of analyze what's happening and what's going on. And, um, you know, I'm proud of those characters that I introduced because 
they feel like they've been around for a long time. Yeah, you know? they're definitely very Star Wars characters, which is like, I, okay. yeah, I, mean, I think anyone that's ever read a Star Wars book, seen a movie, there's something like, I can't describe a Star Wars character, but I definitely know it when I see it or I read it. And uh, and they definitely oh, good, fit. Good. Um, and I, I want to I wanna actually touch on something that you've been saying about Poe and his dad. I mean, because his dad is, is a pretty prominent um, force in his life, even if he doesn't have the amount of screen time or page time as some other characters He's definitely a main force in, in Poe's life and in this book. Um, and father and son relationships are pretty key in a lot of Star Wars we see. Obviously, Luke Vader being the, the beginning of stuff. And then this right, most right. recent trilogy with Kylo and Han um, being such a, God, a, a, a fractured, heartbreaking relationship. Um, yeah, exactly. What was it like writing this kind of relationship? Because Poe and his dad are kind of unique in a way. Um, and obviously, like you said, you have two kids of your own. So what was it like writing this father-son in this great legacy of father-son stories? Yeah, I mean, I think part of it as, as a father and you always you always worry and you always want what's best. And I think you see that in Cass yeah. in the story. But I didn't want it to fall into this cliche where he's just this overbearing, overprotective dad. I think there's some level of understanding. He sees Poe's mom in Poe. He knows oh, that Poe is their son. Yeah. And so there's part of that, part of that wanderlust and desire to be a hero. So he gets it, but that doesn't, it doesn't, um, you know, take away from his fear. You know, he doesn't want to lose his son. And so, um, but as much as it's a father-son story, it's a mother-son story, even though Shara Bay is not alive, you know, obviously when the story starts, um, her presence is felt throughout. And I felt like that was pretty unique too. A lot of mm -hmm. the stories in Star Wars are father-son stories, but I wanted this to kind of give them equal airtime. You know, he's influenced by both of them and they both have a really big effect on what he does. And, um, and I think by the end of the book, without spoiling anything, he's kind of come to terms with his own um, destiny and how it fits in with the legacy that he's being, he's, at first he sees his legacy, the legacy that his parents left him as kind of a weight. Like, why do I have to do this? I want to do my own yeah. thing. Um, and by the end of it, he's kind of come to terms with who he is, which is really, it's really the journey of any 16 year old or any young adult. You're trying to figure out who you are and how you fit in with what's come before. Absolutely. Man. Yeah. Cool. God, now it's, it's weighing heavy because now we're, we've seen like Kess and Shara and uh, and Charles Soul's most recent comic. He's bringing them back into the main Star Wars line, which is so fun. Um, so yeah. it's, it's kind of a, a a cool moment for the Dameron family in the expanded universe. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I was actually, you know, I was, Charles is a I've known Charles a long time, and uh, it's just cool that we've both been playing in this wheelhouse. Or I did. I just kind of came in and, and played, but he's been. He's been really working on Poe's character in the expanded universe for a long time. And I loved his Poe book. I think it's funny, you know, Phil did the interiors on that comic and he did the cover here for, yeah, for the book, which is so great. I love this cover. I'm staring um, at it right now. It is, it is, is right out of that comic awesome. series. I tell you what. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then, um, you know, Charles read the book and I was so, I was a little anxious. I was like, is the guy who's basically been driving Poe, <laughs> since this new trilogy started is this gonna be up to snuff and it was i was really i was really happy that he liked it so that meant a lot definitely so we, we've talked a lot about talked about a lot about poe already uh do, do you have another star wars character you'd like to write about i would love to write like a young obi-wan story oh my gosh where's charles when oh, is it maybe maybe when he out. goes and falls in love with a certain mandalorian maybe <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, I mean, I just think there's a lot of a lot of ground to cover. Definitely. And I think he, you know, he's just such a cool character. I think, and especially, I'm always intrigued uh, with filling in gaps in a story that you know the beginning and the ending of already. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I, I would say that Claudia Gray probably set that up pretty nicely with Master and Apprentice. We get a really, yeah. really good taste of what young, stubborn, idealistic Obi Wan looks like. I would love to yeah. see that, man. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That'd be cool. Well, speaking of other characters, do you have an do you have a uh, another favorite character that you have enjoyed writing a lot in Freefall? And is it Babu Frick? <laughs> I mean, Babu Frick is yes, he's in the book. I mean, I'm not going to lie about that. Why? Why? why like, <laughs> well, I, I did another interview recently, and they were like, "Can we assume that he's in the book?" And I said, "You know, what kind of writer would I be if I didn't take that opportunity?" And <laughs> I mean, have him in he there, comes on screen, you know. and you're like, "What in the world? I love it. I don't know what it is. I need more of it." <laughs> yes, yes, it's amazing. Um, I loved writing Zori because to me, she you see her so briefly in the movie and you get this cool, calculating, just like awesome emotional character. And I wanted to kind of backtrack and see what happened here. You know, what was the break with Poe? Because uh, clearly there's a big emotional connection there. She feels a lot of betrayal and resentment towards Poe. And what happened there? And, and what was the dynamic? And, and, um, you know, these two teenagers are going through the same stuff together, these really intense moments. And then, and then something pulls Poe away and that's blasted, that's blasted as a grudge between them for years. And so what was that moment? That was definitely part of the kind of plotting of the story. We need to figure out what the breaking point was. And, um, it's as much Zori's origin story as Poe's. And that to me was really compelling. Yeah. And that, that's one thing I also liked, uh, I could try and, going around all possible spoilers there can ever be uh, and likening it to Ray Carson's most wanted story, which I find more of a Kira book than a Han book. Um, yeah. and, and to have these incredibly powerful, awesome women in both these books that are like carving their own paths and the hotshot boys that are trying desperately to keep up with them is a great uh, storytelling device that I, that I really love that is becoming more and more prevalent okay. in Star Wars. Um, and from Zori to be a person that admittedly, you know, started out from those first images in Vanity Fair of who is this awesome helmeted Boba Fett character to right, someone right. who can carry a part of a book has been really awesome. Yeah, and I just wanted to give her a little, you know, some texture and some some backstory. So when you do rewatch the movie, you have that added narrative and you can say, okay, I get it now. Like, yeah. I get why they're upset or what this intense emotion is about. And uh, that's, that's the benefit of having an expanded universe. Absolutely. And then, cause if we didn't, we wouldn't be able to watch it with someone else and go, Hey, you see her the thing about her <laughs> yeah. backstory, which we all love to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 That's kind of why we read the book. That's, it. Yeah. that's right. Uh, that's now right. you've written yeah. Poe, uh, as a young pilot, as a young hotshot, we, we've also, as you said, seen Han as a young hotshot pilot in Soto and Solo. Let's settle it now for the record. Who wins in a street race? Young Poe, young Han. What do you think? 16 I years old. I have to old. go with young. Yeah, Poe. Poe's going <laughs> Yes! Yeah. It's canon. Yeah, there we that, go. That's Officially. The, that's, that's, the yeah. thing, that's, the thing about, that's the thing about Han is he, he talks a lot of game. I don't know if he's really got it where it counts a lot of times. Yeah, though. I mean, Han, Han is a slinger, but Poe's got more natural ability, I think. Yeah, I was yeah, going to say, sure. I, like we said earlier, Han definitely does get stuck in that alleyway. And uh, Poe does maybe the most acrobatic flying I've ever seen in Force Awakens. So, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's just call it now. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, well, Alex, as we sort of wrap it up here a little bit, we have uh, we have kind of one big question that we, we ask all of our authors that come on the show. 
Okay. Um, you know, so Star Wars is is really all about legacy, right? I mean, both in universe and outside of universe, you've already sort of hit on the idea that it's such a multi-generational experience and that sort of thing. So like there is, there is a legacy now of sort of passing on star Wars to your kids and that sort of thing. We also have a huge legacy in star Wars itself in universe with like, we have the Skywalker saga and what, what it, what it is to be a Skywalker. You know, we love talking to to new, new authors that are coming into star (laughs) Wars because you guys are, are paving your own legacy, right? So what do you want that legacy to look like when you look back on this? Like, what do you, you want your legacy in Star Wars to be? That's a great question. Wow. Um, I'd like people to look back on the book, and hopefully there will be more, but look back on this book in particular and say, you know, he did write by Poe. He gave him a really cool origin story. It honored everything that came before. It connected what was ahead and also added a lot of cool characters and cool moments that have gone on to do other things in other places, you know, just, it would be super cool to see one of the characters we introduced in Freefall just pop up in another novel, you know, and um, there are some cool little cameos because I did do, I mean, I was in the weeds and uh, there are a few cool cameos in there if you're a fan of the expanded universe Mm -hmm. and things like that. So Perfect. Well, uh, for, for, for our point, uh, we definitely, I'll say it now, assume and hope there will be more books uh, coming from you, more books, comics. Uh, This is a phenomenal debut, and to everyone listening, obviously, this book is out today. If you don't have it right now, over at utini.com, look up that book profile, click the link, order it, get it tomorrow, go out to your local bookstore, wear a mask, uh, go get that book now. Um, I can't wait to see what, what what everyone thinks about it, because it has been so hard to not say anything since I first read it because it is it is that fun and I think a great honestly it's a great book for 2020. I think it's a good way to to remember the fun yeah. times for a bit. We will have fun times again. We shall. So uh, yeah, thanks so much, guys. Of course, as we get out of here, let's uh, let's tell everyone where can they find you online and uh, do you have anything else coming up that you are allowed to talk about slash want to let people know about? Yeah, you can find me online at my website, alexsegura.com, and I'm pretty active on Twitter, so I'm at Alex underscore Segura, that's S-E-G-U-R-A. Uh, my next crime novel is called Secret Identity, and it's coming out from Flatiron Books, and it's a murder mystery set, uh, a mur- yeah, murder mystery set in the comic book industry in 1975. Whoa. So, yeah. That sounds exciting. Oh my gosh, awesome. Yeah. Should be fun, yeah, it should be cool. And in terms of other stuff, nothing i can announce yet uh you know what i never get tired of that answer i do love that answer because it just yeah everybody's got that answer these days it's it's exciting it's very exciting yeah everyone is very nice and buttoned up with their publicity (laughs) (laughs) well uh thank you so much for coming on the show uh we can't wait for the rest of the world to get uh free fall in their hands and we look forward to seeing you in galaxy far far away many more times to come oh thanks so much guys this was great There is no hatred. There is joy. There is no division. There is union. There is no apathy. There is passion. There is no gatekeeping. There is community. This is the Utini Star Wars Fan Code. Embrace it. Live by it. And above all, trust in the living force. That's all for this week. Join our community and surround yourself with like-minded fans by visiting us online at utini.com. Until next time, may the Force be with you.